Tonight is number three in Principles of Manhood, and what we've been doing is we're working through the first few chapters of Genesis, looking for principles that it teaches us um, concerning manhood, what it means to be a man according to God. Because when we look at our culture, there's all sorts of deterioration and issues in the culture. And one of the major contributing factors is a dearth of true men living out true biblical manhood. So we're asking the question, what does God say about what it means to be a man? That's our study. So anybody remember what have been what we have studied so far in this study? It's been three months since we did our last one because we skipped two months. Anybody remember? You want me to refresh us? Yes. Yes. All right, take your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. First off, we're asking this question at the top of your page, this question, what is true manliness? What is true manliness? Genesis 1. Oh yeah, it was about working and resting. That's right. We had, uh, that was our second lesson was the principle of hard work and humble rest. Good memory, my friend. So look. I, I just read like the end of 31. I was like, oh wait, now I know. Well done. So we're asking this question. According to Genesis 1, 26 through 31, what is true manliness? Let me read it for us. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. We'll just drop down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So according to those verses, what does it give us? What is true manliness according to those verses? Colton, you had your hand up before we read. Did you have something? Was I even here for this? Um, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Summarize those verses for us. What would you say is true manliness? Any thoughts? Colton? Working under God according to Him. That's good. Nathan, did you raise your hand? Isaac? I was going to say, um, like, to be an image of God, like, yeah. like to kind of like reflect God, and then, um, and also into be fruitful and multiply, and to also have dominion over the earth. That's good. So to image God, to reflect Him. And to have dominion. John? To be, more like, to be more like Christ. Yeah, to be more like Christ. Here's how I would summarize it. True manliness is godliness. True manliness is godliness. We see we're making an assumption that there is a distinction contrary to what our culture says between male and female. There is male and there is female. There's man and there's woman. That's what the Bible says 
And God is our creator. That's what God said. He didn't make any mistakes. So we're assuming that principle is that there is such a thing as manhood. But if we're going to be manly men who honor God in our manhood, it means we need to be godly, to be like God, to reflect him, as Isaac said. So we talked about what that means as his image bearers. One of the big things is that we have dominion over the earth. Go ahead, John. Were you raising your hand? I mean, this is kind of just kind of controversial. I mean, it's kind of hard to be like God because we all are not saints in any way, shape, or form. We're, we're not. Yeah, we, we sin all the time. We do. So I just... Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you're exactly right. And that, what that does for us is... So I'm, I'm just saying it's kind of hard to like, ref, like be an exact reflection of Jesus Christ. That's right. It is. It's impossible for us in this life as sinners, isn't it? And so that highlights for us our need for the grace of God, for Christ's sacrificial work so that our sins can be forgiven. But then also, once one has believed on Christ... There's a work of growth that God begins to do in our lives. Not perfection, but change. Step by step, sometimes two steps forward, three steps back. Sometimes it's, it's always a struggle. But you're exactly right. We're not going to be perfect in this life. Sorry? But that is our target. God says, be holy as I am holy. That's right. Okay, so then we talked about that second principle that Isaac brought up. Hard work and humble rest. We see this um, right there in the verses that we read. God gave them dominion over all of planet Earth. And we saw that that worked out as Adam named all of the animals that God had created. Um, We saw that he was tending the garden and that he became a farmer, etc. There, built into the fabric of creation, is a need and a command and even a desire for us to work. That's part of what it means To bear God's image is for us to work hard. But then also we contrasted that with, because we are not God, we also have a need for humble rest. To trust God, to work hard six days, and then on the seventh to rest. So now we get, drop down to Genesis chapter 2. We want to read verses 20 through 24. So chapter 2... Chapter 1 was God's creation of everything that exists, including mankind. And then chapter 2 zooms in on day 6 when God created man and when he created woman. So on day 2, God gives Adam some instructions. Adam names the animals, but there's not find a help meet for him. And so out of, out of Adam's side, well, that's what we're going to read. Let's look at verse 20, Genesis 2, verse 20. Is this where God creates woman? That's right, Genesis 2, 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave or be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So, according to those verses, this is that next question. What principles do you notice about manliness or manhood in verses 20 through 24? Any stand out, Colton? To not um, 
go against what God has said already to Adam. But because if God, well, if He did, He would probably commit, be committing adultery or actually doing that. Hmm. So not to go against what God has said. Uh huh. Ezekiel. Uh, it's an argument against homosexualism because it says slay with a woman. Mm hmm. It does. So it gives us from the very creation, God made man and he made woman. And that's a special relationship. We call it marriage. And that's how God designed it, to be between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That's right. Adrian? Um, I also think it has to do with um, not, not staying with your, with your mom and dad practically your whole life, practically mm -hmm. their cave trolls. <laughs> They're, yeah. For lack of a They're what? Term. Is that what you say? <laughs> They're cutting the umbilical cord. <laughs> Living nice. in your mom's basement. It does. So it gives us this principle that a young man, it gives us this principle when a young man comes of age, he's to leave his parents' home and to establish a new one. It says when he's getting married, he's supposed to leave father and mother and be joined to his wife. Now that's a new family unit. <clears throat> so we get some of these principles, and that one is what I want to zoom in on tonight. Next time, we'll be talking about marriage um, and then related, um, related topics of singleness, dating, and sexuality. So that's what we'll be talking about next time. But tonight, we want to talk about this topic of parents, authority, and submission. So, please. his appreciation for his new mm -hmm. wife here. I mean, this quite possibly the first song in the Bible here. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It's beautiful. It is. It's like poetry. Um, the, the word for woman is isha. Isha because she was taken out of man, which is ish. It's just, it rhymes just like ours, woman and man. They're a play on words. It just sounds like to me like uh, like you're, the woman is is part of you. Don't take her for granted is what I'm hearing out of that. Amen. It's good. So we'll save this topic of man's relationship with woman for next time. But those are good observations. Nathan? Hey, you guys are going to hate me for this cheesy dad joke. But all I'm saying is he shaw her. And he, was, he was like, you know what? No, she's the one. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so let's take this one step at a time. First of all, let's talk about parents, and by extension, that would apply to guardians and authority in the home. That's what we're getting at. Colton? Oh, on the parents and guardians, um, it's to, basically, it's like obey your father and mother, but mm -hmm. it is to submit to what they have authority over you. That's right. So obey and submit. And so let's have a conversation about that. Take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, okay? Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. So as you're going there, remember what, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Anybody ever heard of that? Right? Pretty familiar. Does anyone know what commandment number five is? Obey your parents. Love and obey your parents. Father and mother. It's behind you. <laughs> obey your father and mother. Yes. Nice. I literally if just you, said obey your parents. Well done. If you, I'm going to go get some water. 
If you were to go back to Exodus chapter 20, it is the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And then it talks about that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Good. Okay, hold on your questions and comments. Ephesians 6. We need to get some scripture in our minds as we think about this. Ephesians 6, we want to read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we get in these verses and the verses before, he's just been talking about wives and husbands, their relationship to one another. Now he talks about children and parents, their relationship. And in the next, he talks about slaves and masters, which was part of the household. And the most comparable relationship in our society is that of employer to employee. But we're thinking specifically about this relationship of children and parents. He gives fathers an instruction, which by extension applies as well to mothers. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you may not know this yet if you're not a parent, but that's actually a difficult command to follow at times. There are times when provoking your children to wrath in your sinful nature comes all too naturally. And it actually takes considerable effort to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But that's the responsibility of the parents. Now, whether or not the parents are doing their part or whether or not they're doing it perfectly, the children still have a responsibility. Children, so you guys tell me, there's two commands here. What are the two commands that Paul gives to children? Obey. Obey your parents. And honor them. Okay, obey. That's a pretty straightforward command, isn't it? Obey. That means do what they say. Do it right away. So basically, if your parents tell you to go kill your neighbor, you do it? Well, John, that's a... Just hold on. Pause that, because we're going to come to that. But let's save that for just a second, okay? That was just a hypothetical question. That was my bad. All right, so... You guys... Obey your parents, but then he says, in the Lord. In the Lord. Oh. So, but that doesn't just mean... If your parents are Christians, you have to obey them. What that means is that your obedience to your parents actually reflects your obedience to God. So if you as a child refuse to obey your parents, you are also refusing to obey God. If you refuse to obey your guardian or the authority that God has put over you in your home, you are in fact refusing obedience to God. Adrian? Um. Also, is that, is that talking about um, if they're being unbiblical and they're telling you to do something? We're going to come to it. We will. We will. But first, we've got to work through Ephesians 6. Did you raise your hand, Nathan? What do you got? Oh. Isn't that like about the same concept as it says with the government? It is. To where you're supposed to follow the government's rules and laws unless it's doing something against God. That's right. That's the principle. Let's save that for just a second. Let's keep working through Ephesians 6 here. 
He says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What Paul says is, obedience to your authority in the home is reflection of God's establishment of society. The way God designed the world to work is, parents are subordinate, sorry, children are subordinate to their parents in the home. He says, this is right. And then he gives the command, honor your father and mother. So the word honor, um, let me read to you Genesis 48, verse 10. Now the eyes of Israel, who was Jacob, were dim for age, or they were heavy for age, so that he could not see. That word heavy for age, his eyes were heavy, that's the same word as the word honor in Hebrew. The word honor means to be heavy. In other words, it's a proper valuation of the weight or the authority. So to honor your parents or your authority in the home means to see God has given me this authority and to properly value that and to realize God has given them to me and so I reverence them. It means respect to them. It's an attitude. So obedience is our action, but then honor is our attitude. So if you obey, but under your breath you're saying things that you shouldn't about your parents or you stomp away and slam the door, Maybe you quote-unquote obeyed them, but did you honor them? No. No, in fact. He gives us one more motivation here to obey and honor our parents. He says, which is the first commandment with promise? If you go and you read through the Ten Commandments, number five, to honor your father and mother, is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. The promise is that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So God promises prosperity and a long life to those who choose to obey and honor their parents. But that is the threat. The inverse of it is true. If you choose to dishonor and disobey your parents, there's going to be less than prosperity and less than a long life. So that's the threat. It comes dual-sided. Now, that doesn't always hold true. Um, In a fallen world, sometimes accidents happen. People die young. That doesn't mean that they were necessarily dishonoring their parents. And the inverse is also not true necessarily. Sometimes people who dishonor their parents live a long life. But it's a general principle God gives. Are you following along so far? Okay, so there's three caveat questions under number one. What about unbelieving parents? Second, what about abusive parents? And third, what about adult children? Let's start with unbelieving parents. What if your parents are unbelievers? Ought you still to obey and honor them? Yeah. Yeah. What would be the only exception in which time it would be appropriate not to obey your parents? When it's against God. That's right. When it's against God. So if your parent tells you to disobey God or tells you not to obey God, then you must disobey your parents in order to obey God. But prove it to us with Scripture. All right, y'all got this. Have fun. Because we all like to talk about the exception to the rule. Like how Nathan was talking about the government, if it goes against God, mm-hmm. you have to go against the government. Yeah. Nathan? According to my research and my very, very helpful little handout right here, Ephesians 6.1 is yeah. the research you need. So obey your parents in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because your obedience of your parents is obedience to God. Ezekiel? You could also take Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. With good 
goodwill, due service, as the Lord. As to the Lord and not to men. As to the Lord and not to men. That's good. Also think um, Acts 5.29. I think that's on your paper there. It's the middle reference. Acts 5.29. You don't have to turn there. We're running out of time here, but you can look it up on your own. That's why I gave you lots of information so you can keep studying. Acts 5.29. Um, Peter and the other apostles have just been commanded by the government officials, stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. When mankind tries to tell you you must disobey God, we ought to obey God rather than obey men. But that's the only time when God permits disobedience to your parents because God is your higher authority. If it's inconvenient or if you disagree with your parents, boy, you better be careful. God's put your parents over you. Even if they're making a mistake, unless they're commanding you to sin, I'd caution you, be very careful of disobeying them. That kind of sounds like the school system these days. Yeah, it's a dangerous place there too. But then the question comes up, what about abusive parents? Not just unbelieving parents, but what about abusive parents? Because I'm not naive enough to believe that all parents are good. I know there are some parents who are abusive. I got blessed with good parents. So. First off, let me just make a couple comments on this. We don't have to have too much of a discussion. If you want to talk more about it with me privately, we can do that. But first off, if you're in an abusive situation where your parent is dangerous, if you're unsafe, get help. Talk to me, talk to Mr. Peter, talk to Mr. Andrew. I'm also here. Call law enforcement, 911. At the bottom of your page, I give you the National Child Abuse Hotline. If you're in danger, please get help. Don't stay in a dangerous situation. But then realize God is the father of the fatherless. Psalm 68, 5 says, even if your father or your mother is dangerous, God wants to show you that he is a loving, loyal parent. And then we have to begin to understand the nature of true forgiveness. Understanding how much Christ is willing to forgive us and then how we then can extend it to even the people who have hurt us the most deeply. If you want to talk more about that, I would love to show you from God's word what forgiveness is. But then finally, what about adult children? Do adult children have to... Can you elaborate adult children? Once you have turned 18, and then once you have left the home. Okay, those are specifically, I'm saying, once you've left the home. While you're still living under your authority's roof, your parents, your guardians, your grandparents, etc., you have a responsibility to submit to their authority. If you want to be out from under their authority and you're of age, you got to leave the home. That's your only option. Okay? I mean, even then, if you leave the home, I'm sure it's still nice to obey your parents. You just don't have to. He graduated. He was... they still living with uh, the parents, and there was some kind of disagreement, shall we say, with um, Elena's dad, and uh, was, he was paying rent because uh, he was an adult now, and uh, it was kind of escalating, and uh, their dad kept raising his rent or finding him or something <laughs> like that, and, and so her brother said, how, how much do I got to pay to do what I 
One. <laughs> With that said, the mortgage. <laughs> nice. That's the truth. Until you're too long after that that he moved out and their relationship improved. I bet. Uh, yeah, that's Dad, what I'm saying, man. Right? Stuart Little got the big brain place. Okay, so then the question is, once you move out, while you're under their roof, you're responsible to submit to their authority with obedience. Their house, their rules, as long as it's in submission to God's rules. But once you move out, what scripture governs our relationship with our parents once we've moved out? Do we still have to obey them? I mean, I'm sure it would be nice, but I don't Because they are your elders. Say again, Adrian. Because they are your elders. So you're saying you do have to obey them? Yeah, because they have more knowledge than you. What if they tell you that you have to put away the dishes before you can have dinner? That's different. I'm talking about no, biblical dishes. But I'm saying obedience to them. Yeah. Do you have to obey everything they say, or do you now have some liberty? Nathan? So, is like buying the house the same as moving out? Like, if you become 18 and you just like... Buy their house from them. Is it technically your house, your rules now? Or? If you have that kind of money and you want to take that up with your parents, I'll leave it in your court. <laughs> Dominic? Um, buy my to a certain extent, by accepting their, considering their advice on life, on your choices, on what they did as your age. Yep. So consider their advice. I think that's a great way to honor your parents. So if I'm paying the bills and my wife tells me to do everything, do I, do, do I still have to listen to her? Because you know, yeah. you know the so saying, happy, happy wife, happy life. Jonathan, do you have a wife? <laughs> no, but... Let's, let's revisit this conversation when you start considering a wife. This is a subject for another Right. I think, you know if I'm not mistaken, I did tell us at the beginning we're going to cover marriage next month. So let's save it for that. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I've got a lot of dumb questions. And I just want to no, not dumb questions. I would encourage you... I would encourage you the scripture that's under that question. You can go and look it up more. There is still a responsibility for a child, even an adult child living on their own, to honor their parents. But you do not have to obey their every ordinance. If you want to do the dishes tomorrow, that's okay. As long as you're in your own house. You don't have to obey all of their rules anymore. However, however, you do have a responsibility to maintain a relationship of honor, which probably looks like maintaining some form of contact with them. Call home every once in a while. Consider their advice, as Dominic said. And care for them as they age, because the role begins to reverse. As they get older, they're going to need your help, just like you needed their help when you wore diapers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, a couple things, a couple notes at the bottom of your pages. A couple notes at the bottom of your pages. We have other authorities in society. Employers, we have government. We have teachers, and te your teachers, you have a responsibility to submit to their authority. You know why? Because their authority has been delegated to them from your parents. By the fact that your parents have you go to school there, you need to submit to your parents' authority by extension as the teachers. And then 1 Peter 2 says to honor all authorities. So whatever authorities God has given, we have a responsibility to honor them. Finally, Luke chapter 2 describes Jesus' relationship to his parents. It's really interesting. Let me read it for you. It says, And he went down with them and came to Naz Nazareth 
and was subject unto them. That means he was in submission to his parents. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If Jesus, who literally knew everything and never made a mistake, had to be in submission to his parents, how much more ought we? And I wanted to encourage us. Submission to God and the authorities God has given us, that is part of true manliness. Is a submissive, humble heart that's willing to honor authorities, even if you disagree. There's lots more we could study. You can look through this handout and think more on it. We can have more discussions about it if you guys want. But any closing thoughts or questions? Isaac? Uh, it's just kind of um, about, um, about to um, take care of your parents. That's right. That's but right. Basically, then the Pharisee just, which is totally unbiblical, mm-hmm. and then they then used it just basically just so then uh, they didn't have to take care of their parents, basically, because like, they got right. all the money from the temple. That's right. That's Matthew 15. Is this how retirement homes started? <laughs> <laughs> other, other thoughts or questions, you guys? Serious ones, though. Mr. Andrew? Yeah, I'll, I'll stay out of this one. Uh, you mentioned uh, obedience to submission to authority. Um, and I was just thinking of even even worldly authority. Um, you work a you work a you work a secular job, and you've got you've got guys or gals that are worldly. Um, I've noticed you can still learn a lot from worldly people. Yeah. Because there are some worldly people that know a lot more than we do, and That's you can right. actually learn good things from them. So. That's right. I just want to encourage you. Some people think that manliness means no more authority. Actually, true manliness means learning our place in society and submitting to our appropriate authorities. Being humble. And it does. It takes humility. Colton? Humility. That's right. That's a common theme. True manliness is humble. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer.